0: Hey guys, how are you doing today? Um, Hey, uh, uh, just as Chris introduced me earlier, my name is Dave Thompson and I am one of the student pastors here. Um, I I actually get the great pleasure of leading 6th through 12th graders every Wednesday. So if you're middle or high school in here, can we just hear you? Come on, middle and high school. Oh, come on. Do better than that. All right, one, two, three, go woohoo. Oh, that was still awful. All right, well, hey, uh, I'm not a great one, but I, at least I try. So, um, uh, just, uh, uh, I'm normally not the speaker here on Sunday mornings, but I get a chance about, you know, three or four times a year to uh, to come out and talk to you. And it's, I, I truly feel God uh, has a sense of humor because we're starting this new series about walking dead Uh, and I think he decided to make me sound like a zombie today uh, on the day we're actually talking about zombies. So I've actually uh, am in the process of getting over a cold. My uh, throat is really scratchy, and so I'm sorry if my voice sounds a little funny, but uh, hey, great news is I normally don't speak on Sunday, So we actually have a great speaker who uh, uh, comes in just about every Sunday. Um, As I mentioned, we're starting a new series about uh, The Walking Dead, and uh, I just want to say first off, um, I am so glad that there is a rise in zombie-related movies and shows and a downfall of the vampires. Um, that's right. Uh, I, vampires got old uh, at the first Twilight movie, so um, I was over it. So, um, disco ball, I don't get it. So anyway, uh, Walking Dead. Uh, we, we, we realized that this idea of zombies and the Walking Dead, it was too good of a subject to pass up. Like, we had to do a series on this. We, we planned this out last year, um, and, and I, you know, first off, I was like, hey, I just have to get at least one talk in that series. It's too much fun. Um, and uh, so uh, Chris actually let me lead you guys off, and I, I'm just really excited to be here and talk about this. And uh, so today, I actually want to talk about uh, who is The Walking Dead. Uh, if, if we're going to start a series, I think the, the, the big foundation is we have to discover who is The Walking Dead. And so to, to, to really venture into who that is, I had to go back and, 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 you know, into our, our ancient text uh, called the Bible and, and just really see the original walking dead. Uh, and in my opinion, uh, there, there's quite a few throughout the, uh, the New and Old Testament, but in my opinion, I think the original walking dead uh, was the man with leprosy that Jesus met at the bottom of the mountain. And so uh, I'm I'm just going to kind of go through that story, and then um, I'm just going to break it down, because we see it as something that's simple, but it's so much more, and I think it's something that is skipped over pretty regularly. So I'm just going to jump right into Matthew 8, uh, verse 1 through 4. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Um, now, just for a moment, I just, I, I just kind of want to share a, a little bit about uh, something I struggle with. And, um and I have just the biggest obsession uh, with cleaning my hands. Okay, I, I know it doesn't sound you know too big and uh, not a big uh, struggle, but uh, there are times where I'll actually clean my hands 10, 20 times in an hour. Uh, it's I don't know what it is. It's just something I've had since I was a kid. Uh, who has kids in here? Uh, about five years old or has had a five-year-old at some point in time. There we go. All right, um, you guys will know what I'm talking about whenever kids, uh, you know, they have this crazy ability to go from, like, really nice, clean hands to sticky, fuzzy fingers. Uh, yeah, um, I, I was so bad as a child that I actually would generally wash my friend's hands because it would drive me that crazy. I, I, I never understood it. I didn't understand the Kool-Aid mouth, uh, you know, the red Kool-Aid around. In fact, I wouldn't drink Kool-Aid just so I would not have red Kool-Aid mouth. Um, it, it, it drove me insane. I don't know what it was. And, and it just got worse as I got older. Uh, uh, because as I got older, they started this stuff called uh, hand sanitizer. And uh, I, when, when hand sanitizer is in full view, I can't help but utilize it. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but recently they started putting it on walls. There's, there's uh, you know, little, uh, 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 I don't know, just little things, little hand sanitizer stations. And, and you go up and it's automatic. You just put your hand under there and you get a nice shot of foamy emotional stability. Uh, it's... It's amazing. Um, I, I absolutely love it. I, I just, I can't help it. I, I feel like whenever I, you know, wash and, and sanitize my hands, I feel like I'm putting on my Iron Man suit and, you know, just ready to take on the world. Um, and, and and so, uh, actually, it's funny because between services, um, a good friend of mine, Kelly Mack, came up to me and, and was sharing with me that uh, uh, if you constantly use hand sanitizer, over time, it will actually kill off, uh, I think she called it like the periphera or something like that, all the, the good bacteria that, that's on your skin, uh, and actually make you more susceptible to illness. All I can think of is I I don't need that. Like, I don't want to know that. (laughs) Like, hand sanitizer works great for me emotionally. Um, you know, I, I, my, my wife, uh, she comes up and, and, you know, she started realizing I have an issue and she's like, you know, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, where do you want me to start? Like, I don't know. I just have this emotional attachment to hand sanitizer. So, um, as we come up into uh, uh, Matthew chapter 8, now I'm going to try to apply that introduction to scripture. I <laughs> know you guys just sat back you're like, this is going to be good. All right. Um, so as we come into Matthew chapter 8, it is, it, it's very difficult for me to uh, describe what the, how the Jews felt towards this disease called leprosy. It, it, it was a very emotional um, uh, reaction that they would have towards people who had leprosy. It was cultural. It was theological. Uh, uh, the Jews truly believed that this was the epitome of unclean. Now, um, as, as we go into this, you know, it, it, it just kind of gets worse and worse. Because one, just the definition of leprosy. Uh, uh, de- leprosy was, was literally, it, it's, it's a diseases. It's actually multiple diseases. But all of them have one thing in common. It literally eats your flesh while you're alive. It was a diabolical disease. It's crazy, and in fact, we still suffer from, uh, with that in, in some other countries today. Um, and so, so leprosy—it was—it was a very emotional hatred. It, it was—it was loathsome. It was uh, grotesque. It was—it um, it, it was despicable. It was—it was—you it was, uh, know—you could—you could catch it. It—it um, it was just awful. It was unclean. Now. Uh, But but that's really not the worst thing. Like, one of the worst things is the Jewish people actually truly believe that it was the living symbol of sin. They believe that that if you had leprosy, it was because it was a curse from God for a sin that you committed. That God was literally making you fall apart because of a sin that you had done. And so, um, uh, as we read in Leviticus 13 and 14, and, and just so you know, if you ever like need help falling asleep, uh Leviticus thirteen and fourteen. It's amazing. Um that's that's where, where we learn God's law and on how he protected uh his people from uh this disease called leprosy. And uh, uh Leviticus thirteen we learn that the uh, uh the priests were actually um needed to examine uh, uh, the people with leprosy. It's safe to say I would not have been a pastor in that day. Um that's that's not my cup of tea. I would have fainted twice. Um, and so uh, he, he, uh, he it continues on and, and it explains that someone who, who is found to have leprosy was to be completely, utterly removed from society. That because it, was, it, was, it could be caught, because it, it, it was contagious, they had to remove them from society. It didn't matter if you had a kid, it didn't matter if you had a wife, if you had leprosy. You were deemed unclean, and you were taken out of society. Now, why, why does this matter? Now, um, it, the reason it matters is because it sets the stage uh, for as we come into Matthew chapter 8. Now, before um, before we get into uh, what exactly happens at the bottom of the mountain, I just kind of want to backtrack for a moment. Um, I'm one of those people who truly believes that every word, every small detail and aspect of the Bible is God-breathing and and divinely uh, designed. I believe that every small detail. Now, I think it's very important the fact that Jesus came up and he he talked to a man with leprosy. I think it's very important the fact that there's a man with leprosy even there. But I think it's still very important where they're at. Now, Matthew, he he seems to give us, uh, if we can pull that back up, he seems to give us... Uh, some geographical uh, uh, locations. It, it says that, that Jesus came down from the mountainside. Now, now why, Matthew, why, why is that so important? Why have you included that in your gospel account? And, and uh, uh, you know, one, uh, why, why was a large crowd of people even with Jesus? Like, what were they doing on the mountain to begin with? Was Jesus doing, like, guided tours? Was he trying to make a little extra money? What's happening And see, what we have to do is we have to backtrack a few uh, chapters. And and we go back to uh, Matthew 5. And what we discover is Jesus walked up a mountain, sat down, and started teaching. And and, and he walks up with a good crowd and and starts teaching. And and from this, we get Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, which is, in my opinion, the greatest sermon ever taught in human history. Uh, it's, It's called the Sermon on the Mount, now, you may not be familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, um, and, uh, uh, you, or maybe you haven't read it in some time, but uh, I guarantee you're familiar with some of the aspects of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, as an example, um, uh Sermon on the Mount, that's where uh, the Golden Rule, a lot of us have heard of the Golden Rule. Whole societies and cultures and cities have actually adapted and adopted uh, the Golden Rule as part of their, uh, their creed, and um, the golden rule is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That that's the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's a beautiful sermon. It's amazing. It's it's uh, it's it's majestic. Like it's it's very, it's 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 incredible. Um, and and some so some scholars uh, actually believe that uh, Jesus taught for two to three days. It's a long sermon. I'm not going to go three days. I'm going to go 30 minutes. Uh, you guys have a lot to be grateful for. So. Uh, so uh, one of the reasons is because 5.1, uh, Matthew goes up the mountain with a good crowd. It, it alludes to a, a decent crowd. Jesus comes down the mountain. He has a great crowd. But um, why the mountain? Why, why was Jesus teaching on a mountain to begin with? Well, if you know much about Jewish history, or, or if you know anything about the Old Testament, um, and if you don't, that's fine. I'm going to explain a little bit of it to you. Uh, it, it, was, it was time after time after time after time that the Jewish heroes would actually go up on these mountaintops, and, and they would have these, these monumental experiences where they would actually come face-to-face with God. Sometimes they would talk to him. Sometimes God would give them instructions. Um, sometimes they would just go up there, just go up there. You had Abraham and... Um, so you're Abraham and uh, Moses and, and Joshua. And, and I, if you don't know those people, that's fine. Um, but it, it, was, it was alluding to this idea that, that they would go up this mountain. And they have their time with God. Now, I, you can't help if, if, if you're a Jewish person and you're reading this, you can't help but, but pick up some undertones of, of a time, uh, you know, Matthew is, is, is alluding to the fact that there was another man who came down a mountain and discovered something and was enraged. Now, now Moses, and and I'm just going to talk about this briefly. Um, Moses, uh, if you don't know the story, he went up on the mountain and God talked to him for a while and he gave him the 10 commandments. Now, while Moses was walking down the mountain, uh, his, his, uh, sidekick Joshua, he's like, Hey, you know what, what's that sound I hear? It sounds like war. And uh, Moses says, that's not war, that's uh, Woodstock. Um, and so, again, first crowd didn't get it either. Um, so, um, and, and so, so what happens is, is basically the people, uh, the Israelites, the people that Moses is leading, they're, they're down at the bottom of this mountain, they're waiting. And they get tired of waiting for Moses. They say, Moses is taking too long. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take out our earrings and our jewelry and all that. And we're just going to melt it all and make a big golden calf. And then we're going to take our clothes off, listen to crazy music, and dance around. Like I said, hashtag Woodstock. And so Moses, he gets down to the bottom, and, and, and he is enraged because what he sees is, is very unclean. And he's enraged. And so he takes the commandments, and he throws them, and they shatter. And then he literally takes the gold calf, and he starts to, to grind it down, and he puts it into a drink, and he literally makes them drink their own punishment. But fast forward 1,500 years, Jesus, uh, he's coming down his mountain. And Jesus, you know, he's up on his mountain, and, and he just got done preaching, you know, his commandments, if you will, and his laws, if you will. And he's coming down his mountain, and what he finds is most definitely unclean, but it doesn't enrage him. He compassionately touches and heals the man. What is, what is it that Matthew's trying to say? I believe Matthew is, is, is alluding to the fact that Jesus is, is the new Moses. But Jesus didn't come down to break things. He didn't come down to judge. He didn't come down to, to force you to drink your own punishment. Jesus came down his mountain to put broken things back together. Jesus came down his mountain to drink the punishment that you deserve. You can't miss that. And just for a, um, just for a moment, I just, I just want to talk a little bit more about the, this, this Sermon on the Mount. Um, as I said earlier, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's uh, the best sermon I've, I've, you know, in human history, and it's very discouraging. And I know that's a weird thing to say, um, but I, just to explain, um, one of the things that, that Jesus says is, hey, you, you've heard about, you know, you shall not commit adultery, talking about the Ten Commandments. But I say, I, I say that even if you just look lustfully after a woman, then you've already done the deed. So if you're here today and, and you're hanging your head on your virginity, hey, it, we're, we're all in this together. Like, like we, we've already messed up. Or, or it, it, you know, uh, I, I say that's very discouraging. You can call it discouraging. Nobody wants to admit it. I've got the mic. But it gets, it gets worse or, or better, however you look at it. Um, uh, one of the, the the biggest points is Jesus says you have to be perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect. See you guys next Sunday. <laughs> what? Like, like I, I had to I had to take a step back and just look at this word "perfect" and look it up in the original language, uh, just to really get the true meaning. And it it means perfect. Like I I, I heard one scholar say that. Um, you you uh you cannot overestimate the impossibility of the Sermon on the Mount. It is one hundred percent unquestionably impossible to achieve. So what's it all about? Why, Jesus, did you stand up here and, and and talk about all this? Because the 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 same point is the same point in the entire biblical narrative. You need God, and his name is Jesus. Now, uh, I, I get the sense that, that Jesus, while he's up here teaching for, for two or three days, he, he realizes that these people are just not grasping the concept. And so he decides, instead of you know, just continue talking, he's like, you know what, I, I'm going to go on a field trip. What are the odds that, that after Jesus stands up here for three days and talks about his law and about his commandments, that they start walking down a hill and they are confronted with the living symbol of sin? Is it accidental? No, it's, it's a divinely orchestrated field trip. Jesus said, you know what? I, I, you guys aren't understanding. I'm going to physically show you. Now, let's not forget that this man is completely breaking the law. He's unclean and he needs to be with the other lepers. It is no doubt that the great crowd that saw this man sucked air, took two steps back and said, whoa, we're trying to walk here. You need to be with the other lepers. But Jesus knew. And uh, the man falls on his face, uh uh, dr luke uh, another author of one of the the gospels Uh, if you haven't had a chance you should read matthew mark luke or john uh luke um he he writes the same occurrence but he says that uh uh, the man is just so desperate he uh he he falls on his face and, and says lord if you are willing you can make me clean now imagine if you're one of the onlookers and and you've just came from this epic sermon and you've been listening to all of this about how you have to be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect and 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 you're walking down and 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 there it is it, but it gets worse like Jesus doesn't rebuke the man for breaking the law. he reaches out and touches him he says you're healed he just Just touch the man. Now, if if you if you go through Leviticus thirteen and fourteen, as I mentioned earlier, um, it it says that what is unclean, or if what is unclean touches that that is clean, what is clean is now unclean. So, by the law in in Leviticus thirteen and fourteen, Jesus should now be unclean. Am I right? So, you know, it's, what's interesting about the, the touch is a lot of people say, well, yeah, he had to touch him. He had to touch him to heal him. That's not true. The very next verse that follows uh, the, the story I'm reading um, is about Jesus healing someone. And whenever the people come, they say, hey, you need to heal my person. They're back at home. He simply says the word. He says, go home. They're healed. He doesn't even see the person. So he didn't have to touch He just simply wanted to touch the man. Have you ever thought, how long has it been since this man's been touched? How long has he been wandering aimlessly, alive, but also dead in the wilderness? How long has someone shown him any compassion at all? You know, some psychologists say that, uh, you can actually go clinically insane if you go for extended periods of time without any human touch. So Jesus just touched him. Now, as I mentioned before, what is unclean touches something that's clean. What is clean is now unclean, correct? But just the opposite happens. Don't miss this. This this is, you know, uh, if I can just talk to my Christ followers in here today, like this is the most important part of the whole story for you. For the first time in human history, what is clean just made the unclean clean. For the first time in human history, someone who was clean touched that that is unclean and made that clean. What's Jesus trying to say? What's Matthew trying to say? Jesus is the most contagious element in the entire universe. I think that's the ultimate message. This is life changing. That this, this should, as, as Christ followers, we have to live in this reality. No longer are we going to gather together around what we're against. No longer are we going to play defense against humanity when we should be playing offense. We have the contagion oozing from the inner being of our soul. His love is contagious. His 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 grace is contagious. The good news about him is contagious. It's in the air. It's airborne. No longer will I fear that that is unclean. You know, uh, I'm gonna ask uh, my buddy to come out and play some music. Uh, it's not even the best part. It's good. It's not the best. You know, I said earlier that this man with leprosy, he's desperate, is he not? safe to say that he's uh, exasperated and and exhausted all known and unknown options he had. He's tried everything, hasn't he? Luke said that he fell on his face. He He had heard word word of mouth that, that there was possibly a power that was greater than the most diabolical disease known to mankind. He had heard that there was a possibility that he could gain new life. He might be able to see his kids again. He might be able to see his wife again. He might be able to have purpose. What's Jesus trying to say, He comes off his mountaintop, and before he even gets to the bottom, he comes face-to-face with what I believe is the essence of the whole sermon. The leper is never named, because you and I, we are the leper. And so is every man, woman, and child who sucked air and took two steps back. This man is literally being eaten alive by a disease. It is disfiguring him. It is grotesque. These people want their distance from him. But I think Jesus is trying to show something. I think Jesus is trying to say, you think what this man has is bad? What you have happening inside you is far worse. You have a disease living inside of you that is diabolical and it is killing you from the inside out called sin and you're dying and you need to be granted new life I have come down my mountaintop to put broken things back together I have come down my mountaintop to, to drink the punishment for you I have come down my mountain type so that you might have new life, so that you might have purpose and meaning. He's saying to the crowd, you are this man. The purpose of the service wasn't to say, okay, walk down my mountain, do better, try harder, figure it out. They weren't even off the mountain before they were faced with the essence of Paul. And the man's response, well, I mean, obviously he, he, he doesn't have any options. I mean, parts of his body are falling off. He's a man out of option. Not to mention he's breaking the law just simply coming there. He, he, he could be executed on the spot. And their favorite way of doing it was by throwing rocks at his skull. He knew what was at stake. But he was out of options. Even if it cost me my life, I'm dead already. Lord, if you're willing... I know you can make me clean. I know you can put me back together again. And Jesus says some of the most compassionate words I've ever heard in my life. I am willing. I will make you clean. Which is to say to humanity across the board, how bad is it? How disfigured are you? How broken is your soul? I am willing. I am willing to touch the broken parts. I am willing to touch the dark spaces in your soul. I am willing to make you clean. What's required? Nothing but surrender. Nothing but desperation. Nothing but just coming to the end of yourself and realizing I am a man out of options. So, who's the walking dead? Well, my big idea today is uh, ultimately we are all nothing more than the walking dead. But God is willing to give us new life. Guys, if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, my challenge for you is to go out knowing that you have the greater in you than he that is in the world. You have the contagion inside you, and it is time to play offense no longer will you be afraid of that if that is unclean. If you're here and, and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior and there is something that spoke to you today while I was speaking, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. I, I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment and, and if, if that was you, I just I just ask that you pray that with me either out loud or, or to yourself and then I'm gonna ask that you go one step further. If, if, if that's you, I ask that you come and speak to one of us. want to know uh, about what God is doing in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are a God who, who did not come to break things, but to put broken things back together. That you did not come to inflict us with the punishment we deserve, but to drink it for us. God, I, 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 I just ask that you, you lift up all the hearts of the people in here and that we have courage to go out and play offense for you. Because greater is he that is in me than the he that is in the world. God, I, I, I ask that uh, uh, the people in this room that, that are considering making that, that step, that step of surrendering to you, that they just prayed this prayer with me right now. God, I've been searching tired. I, I, I'm I, exhausted. I don't have any more options. But God, I, I know that, that no matter how broken I am right now, if you are willing, you can put me back together again. Jesus, I believe in you.